Hello, and welcome back to the RGV Podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. We're the Blanchard Brothers, back once again, uh, braving, the, braving the world as yeah. it stands. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to try and entertain you. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, pe- hopefully we've been doing that for a small small group of listeners. About 10 of you, maybe. Maybe yeah. more. Who knows? Uh, and, and for all you essential workers out there, uh, my, my brother included, Thanks. Gavin included, uh, thank you. For all you do so we're gonna do uh, what we do which is bullshit and ran random movie semi-entertainment related stuff yeah i mean i could have been going to sleep getting ready to get up in about five hours to go to florida but instead oh we're officially cutting into your vacation now yeah okay not really because i mean we rescheduled for september but still my boss was nice enough to let me take the yeah. next week off so i'm still off anyway Missed uh, a wedding, which was delayed. Mm-hmm. Another wedding, which was also delayed, and only one concert so far. But I mean, I'm not mad about what. What concert uh, we're not, is that? We're not here to complain. What? What concert is that? Well, two actually. Uh, Valley Maker was going to come to Charleston. I was very excited about that. And Manchester Orchestra, with Weatherbox opening for them, oh, okay. was going to happen in Columbia. And, um, um, yeah. you, you weren't invited to Casey and the Sunshine Band, but I definitely had two tickets for that concert. <laughs> Just kidding. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the agenda for, for today's episode, as you saw in the episode description, and we teased it last episode, we're starting kind of a new segment. We're going to try and make it a regular thing. We're, yeah, but, we're but, rolling into... Before we what? get into that, what? can I have a question? I who, can't, who I can't these, even tell who, people what we're doing. Yeah, I know. I just got a bone to pick. What? Who are these people that are getting married? Your the friends from school. One of them is Colin Tuig, and one of them is a coworker. Yes. Okay. All right. Why? I had this conversation with somebody the other day, and I told them, you know how much high school doesn't matter. Nearly everybody in my class is married, right? Do you know um, how many people ask me to come to their wedding? One. Yeah, I mean, I'm... and they wanted me to shoot their wedding, like <coughs> you know, videotape it and film it. Well, so it just shows you how much high school doesn't matter. So all you kids out there who aren't in school finishing your senior year those people don't matter anyway okay get yourself some older friends maybe already in you college think we got a lot of <laughs> like a 16 year old listeners no more i'm talking like 18 19 you know okay. they're on the cusp you know they want to know what older stuff is so they're going to be really interested in what we're talking about today i think we can get some age demographic numbers and i don't i don't, I don't think we have anybody under Probably the age not. of about 25 right to be honest with you we should get but, on tiktok then we'll be hitting that demographic what is that again? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, something with a like a Snapchat with with uh, just snaps. I don't know. I don't even understand Snapchat. So there yeah. you go. The agenda, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting a new regular segment. Yes. Two by two retro reviews. Um, hopefully, people watch the ones that we said we were going to do from last episode. But if you didn't. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. Or maybe you'll just tune out. But uh, we will open, I suppose, with what we've been watching. And last episode, we did Plot Against America. It wrapped up, so maybe we should discuss that. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess, spoilers right here within the first, like, three and a half minutes of the episode. Uh, but if you haven't seen the entirety of Plot Against America, it's incredible. Uh, go watch it. It's on HBO. It's only six episodes. Uh, it. It's a harrowing journey and experience, but we both highly recommend it. I think you personally, favorite show of the year so far, is that fair yeah. to say? Mm-hmm. And probably my second or third, uh, but yeah. So, if you haven't watched 
tune out for maybe the next like five minutes. Skip yeah. ahead. I don't know. Yeah, five minutes. Give us five. Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah. the finale. Oh my god. Simultaneously, just as like intense as I expected it to be, and also not. I don't mean this in a bad way, but like pulls off the gas enough that like it didn't, you know, completely break me. Yeah. Um, but, but there was it going to. God, was it going to? Yeah. But there was some heavy stuff there. So, um, Alvin gets wrapped up with a possible like assassination slash disappearance mm-hmm. attempt by the Europeans who are like, yeah, in bed here. So we think he's been like being stalked by the FBI or the CIA, et cetera. And then, oh, nope, it's actually undercover British agents who want you for a special mission. So they bring him out. He does this whole thing. He doesn't actually do anything, but we get the he idea. He's the radar. Like, yeah, but we get the idea that, like, he's not the only dude doing this in the vicinity. Exactly. And then we hear a little bit later that, like, Lindy's plane has gone down. And when that happens, the vice steps up, basically has Mrs. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Lindbergh thrown in the nuthouse. Pretty much. And things get really, really crazy. Really For a bit. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, in the midst of this, probably the most, like, devastating thing in the entire series and apparently this is like the highlight section of the book people always rave about it but of course selden is in kentucky with his mom right and we are getting phone calls i love the detail oh of my like God, dude this costs three dollars this is yes. very expensive you have to be precise and the kids just being a kid but Bess is trying to get in touch with him because we've heard there's rioting in Kentucky and Winchell has been killed. That right. happens at the opening of this episode. Right, you hear that yes. he's dead. Uh, so yeah, Winchell was killed, and then the Lindbergh thing happened shortly after. But it's like all we've had slow escalation, and then all of a sudden in this, it's like boom, boom, like things get really, really crazy. Right. So while Alvin's doing his whole side plot, where he's been kind of removed from most of the narrative pretty much but like it's giving us a window into the world at large while still having like kind of a lockdown perspective we still don't know everything we're still getting a lot of stuff secondhand but anyways um bess has to call selden and basically like mother him over the phone yeah dude and we are mm. like warring with like is the, the mom didn't show up at her regular time she didn't call he's really worried he's convinced she's dead Bess is trying to talk him out of it that whole thing is like so difficult Mm. and then some really like oddly satisfying stuff in the midst of this is Winona Ryder getting her come up? Oh yes, dude. When as she much comes as I back, it, basically like, with her yeah. tail tucked between her legs, like hat in hand, and just like I fucked up. But she still, she doesn't get the gravity. It's all about her, and right. it's all like what they're gonna do to me and how important I am to this and everything. Still missing the grander like what perspective. Is, what is the guy's name that she danced with? Oh my god! When she was just um, like call him, I was like. Bitch. I that forget. No, I. Oh. That was one of the. Yeah. That was like the dopest. They line. had well. They had like three scenes on top of each other of her yeah. basically getting to tell her off, which were all extremely satisfying. And like in other circumstances, maybe you would feel more of the like, 
oh, these sisters torn apart, but it's like, no, this is exactly how I want you to act. Because all of a sudden, if you were like forgiving towards her, it's like, this is the end times essentially, as far as any of you know, for all of you. Mm-hmm. And she's basically like, you screwed yourself and you screwed our people over. Like, why? No, yeah. we're not family anymore, essentially. Because like, um, with Selin and his mom gone, is it an Italian guy that moves in next door? Yes. Yeah. And are those Italian like mobsters on the street? They have like muscle on the street. Yeah, around. those are just local neighborhood guys who are basically trying to protect the Jewish community. And, and we find out later that in, the cops are rolling and, in. Yeah, but like yeah. So things escalate, etc. But basically, Herman has to go. Da- has to take Sandy, the right. older one, right? Because yeah, Sandy yes. knows the area, and Sandy has finally like kind of come oh, around. Shit, a yeah. he kind of died down on like you know his fervent like opposition. To his dad, maybe mm-hmm. in the prior episode or so, it, it quelled a little bit, but he fully now understands. He's like, "Holy shit, I was wrong about." It. Like he gets it finally, which is also very satisfying. Mm-hmm. But they go on this journey down south through Kentucky, uh, have a kind of a near miss with the KKK, yep. very tense scene, and in great fashion. There's also like kind of the the PS to that is them getting food at the diner the next day and him making that like really morbid joke like about the bologna sandwiches and yeah. trying to kill us and i was like that's i mean that's the entire show and like the jewish perspective in a nutshell basically is like yeah because, things are at their bleakest and like well, you can still the, find the humor yeah one of the things i did stuff. enjoy is the um the when they finally get there and you're you're pretty much told like yeah, you know, they torched his mom's car. Like, the Selden's mom is dead. She's in a burnout car. I all this, about like, that just moment. Yeah. Where they drive him by and Sandy tells him, like, we're going to play. Well, not even, no, not even that. Like, just that. what I'm talking about is, like, the scene where they meet, he meets the man that, like, his son stayed with for a summer. Mm-hmm. And there's this, like, quiet thing of, like, I, I kind of wanted to read it for a split second of, like, oh, yeah, he knows because, like, the clan tells him everything. Oh, yeah, he no. may not necessarily be involved with the clan. He didn't in like an, in a different world. If you're viewing it under different eyes, it's like it could be. Oh yeah, of course this guy knows. He was there. Like he did. He was with. He was in this sheet just as well. But he's not gonna let these people know. Yeah. Like the nefarious sort of ending, which we can get to, um, would make you believe like, oh well, of course he did. But the idea, but it's played, and I feel like it's more of a. You know, okay, even out here where this can happen to these people, there are still good Americans, good yeah, whole fashion people. Consider just normal everyday people. Yeah, basically. that are like, hey, we had, we, you know, we came and we got the kid, we brought him here. His mom, you know, we, this is what happened. We found her out here, yada yada yada. But the scene you're talking and about, where he hops he's in the consistently back. seen throughout the season. I remember, like when they go on the trip to Washington, and there's the driver who, like, we don't know what to make of for mm-hmm. the majority of that episode, and then eventually it's like he's just a decent dude. Yeah, he's just a totally normal guy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so all of that was very effective. And then the note that it leaves things on, though, things kind of go back to relative normalcy. Lendy gets discovered or whatever. They, what? Discovered. Like, there was the whole thing with the plane. The plane goes missing. Right. Yeah. But she, he, yeah, but she asked that, like, nobody listened to the vice president. Yeah, and she, like, she calls for an stop election. It. And then we, we kind of flash forward a bit, and then we have an election. Yeah. Where Lindbergh, like, they're forcing a midterm, correct? Right. With and Roosevelt and who? I thought they didn't find Lindbergh. I, but we don't know who the other candidate exactly. is, Exactly. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But regardless, 
there is the sense that things might be being fixed. We see like some of that with like election tampering, etc. Mm-hmm. I say all this to say it goes out on an ambiguous note of like, is Roosevelt going to be back in? Are things going to really go back to normal? Or now that like we've seen how things can turn and we realize like these people don't just go away. These people still exist in the country. Exactly. So yeah, but it leaves it on an ambiguous note of like, what are people actually going to do? And I know, I don't know if you've listened to the aftercast yet, I'll run you through it very quickly, which is basically David Simon said, that's the note he wanted to leave that story on because we're going into an election year. Exactly. He wanted people thinking about all of that. The book basically like, Pearl Harbor happens. We entered the war anyways. Like it just, it just does slips, it prolong the events. It of- slips right back into like he basically makes it like realign and like things kind of go back to normal. Because like, they had well, they had like June or what or November forty two. So I just wondered if like oh well, in this case they just pushed the events of Pearl Harbor back one year because essentially yeah, I'm not with I'm us not, not sure how it plays in the context of the show versus the book, but the book apparently kind of just like pulls a parachute and the very end like it's more like oh this was a glimpse at like something that could have happened yeah but it didn't go that way and then he kind of resets it back with normal history almost to make it more like this is even more terrifying because look how close this is to reality yeah um but i thought every like tweak that the show made sounds like that perfect in my again i haven't read the book i'm sure I, i would have different feelings on it if i was coming yeah, as a, well, as a book first reader, I did but. appreciate just as a history person the whole like, oh no, Lindbergh's baby's actually been like raised. Oh, as a yeah, all the conspiracies that stuff shit was amazing. That like Bangelsdorf and yeah, I forget what known his name, but w- that they start spouting towards the end is is great. And again, satisfying comeuppance for those characters, which were very hard to watch at times throughout the season. So, um, hard a hard show to recommend in terms of just like. Maybe it's not what you want to be watching right now. And I can say, unlike some other David Simon projects, I don't know that I'll like rewatch this one with any mm-hmm. regularity, but for the contained experience that it was, I mean, one of the best shows. It was a, a nice little, I, I mean, was a great, great I, limited series. I had no idea that it was nothing about, I knew nothing we're, about it coming out or anything. We're pretty much so. officially out of spoilers. And I just want yeah. to point out, we went for 10 minutes, not okay. five. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> sometimes you got to do what you got to do. It was a good finale. Yeah. A really really i really good show it's not a spoiler but i do like i can you people like like it, the, when he's yelling at him about what he's given he's like i gave my leg for you yeah we didn't even really get into that yeah, but the conflict like, between herman and alvin at the end where you kind of they are kind of stand-ins for like what you would assume the jewish population is at the time half kind of divided over you know how slavish should we be towards like ourselves as a people or how much should we assimilate and everything of like what does your heritage and all that mean to you at the end of the day when you've been through some of the shit that somebody like Alvin has? Like, yeah, because he talks yeah. about that early on, like what his what his heritage means. Yeah, like, he has he's no a real Jew. attachment beyond that's his that's his lineage. My dad was a Jew, his dad was a Jew, etc. Like it just is. It's just something I am. It's just inherent. Or you know, and he's essentially he's fought and lost for his. It, you hesitate to even say beliefs. It's just, it's kind of a headstrong, just like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a tough, it's a tough guy attitude. And he put, dude, again, the fact that that guy is like Scottish or mm-hmm. Irish, from what I understand, get him and like, get him in a Scorsese gangster oh, movie if we ever dude. get another one. Yeah. But great, great stuff. Great stuff. I agree. Oh, yeah. 
So, Plot Against America. Uh, I've watched two episodes of Run, which is new on HBO. I'm digging it. We'll see where it goes. I don't know. Uh, Better Call Saul wrapped up very nicely. Uh, anything else that you're that you're watching? No, I watched the I watched what you told me to. I watched Night Moves, and I watched Excessive Force. I'm gonna watch we'll, both of them. We'll, we'll we'll get to them in a second. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's all I've been watching. All right. It's only it's been it hasn't been that long, dude. It's only been a week. Yeah, I know, but you know, I don't have much to do, so I'm essential. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not really essential. I mean, like, I mean, I. A nutless monkey could do my job. I kind of, I guess I should kind of save some so, of my my recent watches for after we do, do yeah. our retro reviews because they're kind of going to tie in a little bit. Yeah, so of course. I don't want to dip into that too much. So I guess that's pretty much it on the TV front. As far as things I'm excited for, things that I plan on at least talking about here, whether we cover them in depth. Uh, I know this much is true, which is a new HBO limited series from Derek C. in France, who gave us Place Beyond the Pines and Blue Valentine. Stars Mark Ruffalo as twins, uh, and it's based on a true story. I trailer looks very good, hmm. and it premieres May the fifteenth. I don't know how many nights that is, but I'm gonna be watching it. So, if you if you want to join me, maybe okay, maybe yeah, we could do that. Watch the trailer, check it out, see if you're on board. That works. Um, there is a show that I don't. I feel weird even bringing this one up because I don't know how to watch it yet. <clears throat> This is another Sky production. I believe Sky was responsible for part of 000. Okay. Or like it aired on the Sky channel in other territories. I got you. I see what you're saying. There's a new one called Gangs of London, I believe. Hmm. And I think it's coming to Cinemax eventually. Hopefully. The main draw here, Gareth Evans from The Raid. Uh is a producer and directed i believe the pilot and i've heard the action sequences are like incredible Hmm. and it's got a few people we'd recognize so maybe something to keep an eye out for definitely because we do have cinemax right now yeah but it premieres next week i don't know if cinemax is getting it like day and date or if it's going to be like a fall thing for the u.s so we'll see you said Gareth Evans, and that reminded me. I did. It te- is Gareth Evans, right? Gareth Edwards did the Godzilla movie, right? And I think he's a totally and monsters. I think he's a totally fine director. Yeah. But Gareth Evans is an action master at this point, off of like three movies. Yes. You said the two raids and Apostle. Right, and you said you saying that name reminded me that I did go back and watch Death Sentence right after we started with Cinemax uh-huh. and then now all the Death Wishes are available again on Prime so I'm probably going to watch all those because I fucking love Charlie Bronson there you go like um, Paul Kizzy he's I my I know guy. at least two of the sequels have We Hate Movies episodes good which you would enjoy. I think I, I yeah they're, definitely enjoy. I've listened to one we they've listened to one coming the, back they've from they've definitely uh, done the crackdown yes uh, and the what I think they did the third one recently or maybe the fourth one is the fourth one is recently you and I listened to the third one which is them in the inner city he just his Vietnam buddy is dies and he has to like protect the entire like apartment I I gotta be honest after the movies we're gonna discuss I'm kinda in that mode I I tell you what I almost watched last night what I didn't watch it so I'll bring it up Arizona Heat ooh you ever heard of Arizona Heat never no idea what I'm talking about what is that okay so it was the late great Michael Parks' birthday Yes, it is still he's his birthday. He's in the crackdown, right? Uh, yes. He's the well, he's the ex-husband gangster and the drug dealer. Yes, dude. but as we're 
in this mode and everything, and I, I happened to be checking the birthdays on IMDb yesterday, and I was like, let me see if that can guide my rewatches. Arizona Heat is from 1988. A tough Arizona cop is teamed with a lesbian cop to catch a serial killer who is murdering police officers. Oh, wow. Sound, sounds right up our alley, right? Yeah, Look definitely. This fucking cover Dude. with Michael Parks giving you a giant middle finger. <laughs> and Denise Crosby with a finger's thumbs down? Do you know right. who Denise Crosby is? I have no idea who that is. She is the mom in Pet Cemetery. <gasps> okay. Yeah. So yeah, I did not watch Arizona Heat, but it's on Prime right now. So um, I still owe Michael Parks a movie today, I believe. That that may that that would do it. Okay, are you ready to kick this off? Do well, we gotta <laughs> hang on. Christ. Just to clarify, so nobody yells at us. Death Wish Five: The Face of Death. Michael Parks is the ex-husband cocaine dealer. The crackdown is Ed Zacharias, and like he lie a drug dealer lies to have Paul Kersey take out his rivals, and when he finds out, yeah, I don't want I don't want a bunch of Charlie Bronson heads on our tail. So thank you for you should do. Charlie Brunson's always got it. All right. Without further ado, what are we going let's kick it off. Two by two retro reviews. I, I say in this particular case, age before beauty. Okay. <laughs> so we're going beauty. night moves. Yeah, we are. Yes. Before we get to the glorious. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're talking night moves, 1975. Take a listen to the trailer. Well, I think Harry would like me to leave. Well, I don't think that's necessary. I think Harry thinks it is. Harry thinks if you call him Harry one more time, he's gonna make you eat that cat. Gene Hackman. Is Harry Mosby. Hello, Harry. In Night Moves. Well, come on, take a swing at me, Harry, the way Sam Spade would. He's a private investigator. My daughter, Delhi. Would you believe Delilah? Well, she's gone. How long gone? Two weeks. Go find her. Making a living. Well, let's say 125 a day in legitimate expenses. From other people's lives. You can get cheaper. Can I get better? You're hired. Making a mess of his own. God, you're really prime, Ellen. You know that? I catch you screwing another guy and you attack my lifestyle! Your lifestyle has nothing to do with it! Night moves. It's a mystery. I'm looking for Deli Grasner. Deli isn't around here anymore. We're the suspects. <laughs> are also the victims. I want to know what I walked into. Ask your wife. Well, are we going to talk about it? Well, it's your ball run with it. Where the questions. All right, what's it all about, Mosby? Is there still much uh, smuggling going on around here? The dogs have fleas. Where were you when Kennedy got shot? Have too many answers. <laughs> Where every clue is a lie. I've been listening to your ping pong talk long enough. What was in Marv Elman's plane? Drugs? Was it drugs? Night moves. Check. Check. Ah, oh, it's a beauty. It's a game where every player is a pawn. Harry Mosby, isn't it? Every move is a wrong one. <laughs> and the winner loses everything. I want to know what it's all about. I told you what it's all about. You, what the hell are you all about? You're asking the wrong question. Gene Hackman in Night Moves. All right, Night Moves, 1975, from one Mr. Arthur Penn, written by Alan Sharp. Arthur Penn, you might be a little familiar with. 
to the miracle worker mm-hmm. back in the day, but for most people, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, of course. And kind of odd, I was looking through his filmography. This is really kind of the only other big notable movie after that, and it wasn't a hit during in its day. This is one that's been on my lingering like seventies list that I just hadn't gotten to. I asked for it for Christmas like maybe a year or two ago. It's been sitting it. on my shelf. And this week, which is kind of what inspired the retro rewatches in general, was I was like, okay, you got all this extra time, you're watching some shows, you're rewatching a lot of stuff. Let's try and do one movie a day that's not necessarily a new movie, but a new movie for you. And I have a stack of a lot of old stuff yeah. that I own that I haven't gotten to yet. Okay. So that's what kind of kicked this off. I suggested you watch it. Because you're a detective fan. Fuck yeah. And this is a very interesting subversion of the genre. I, I really, think. really, really enjoyed just him as a person. Like his outlook and his view. Yeah. You his know? vibe. It is a total, like... It's a, not a 70s vibe at all, I feel like. I feel, I like, feel like... No, I feel like it's 100% a 70s vibe. This is a post-Watergate movie in, in it its tone and its vibe. Know. And it's... He's... I get the very detached, just like very that, cynical. Yeah, but like just his view on like I don't know. I feel like in that time there was still like a little machismo going on. So if like a guy finds out his wife's cheating on him, he may not necessarily you're, be you're like putting it very delicately. When you find out your wife is getting railed by Harris Ewan, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, where are you in yeah, your life? And you're like, I'm I'm working these kind of dead end. Detective yeah. jobs. Let, let, let's She's not, teasing me about my my job. Let's not forget, he used to be a football player. Yeah, that is my that is favorite very, part. Very background in the movie, he used to play for the Raiders. Yeah. Well, no. See, okay. I feel like it's only in there to serve the scene of them all going to a Raiders game, and them all making the comment of like, "Oh, we've all pretty much fucked this girl's yeah, mom." Right. That's the. Uh, well, that's the epitome. We'll get to that okay. in a second because there's some definitely some yeah. complicated stuff in here mm-hmm. but no that scene i'll go ahead we can go ahead and talk about it because it lasts all of 30 seconds and i just remember thinking it was like the 70s like if you sh- if you shot a scene like that today you would spend like five or six minutes there because it's like you gotta get the nfl's permission you gotta get you know all the stuff you gotta sign off extras you gotta pay off background actors etc huge crowd scene like mm-hmm. oh my god this is literally just them like walking in with a camera to a Raiders game for all mm-hmm. I know, an actual game. And then, Probably. and you know, no setup, no giant, like, oh, we're going to follow the game for a bit. They're just there for like, it goes seconds. to them and then it cuts to them sitting and cheering and then we're gone. I'm like, wow, that was quick, man. Like, I thought we were going to hang out here for a minute. I mean, there's stuff on like these Hollywood movie sets that you're like, hey, they're just kind of throwing this shit away. Like the stuff with the plane and like, yeah. You know. Anyways, it's a different time. And, on that note, Harry Mosby, as we mentioned, he, he finds out within the first... You don't really know what this movie's going to be No, about. you don't. Dude, okay, I'm going to say up top. If you are someone who is trying to like, okay, what's the mystery here? The twist and the turns and the figuring out who's who is done so well that I am really surprised that it was not more of a success when it came out. Because everything I found was like... This is one of those that like critics and a handful of people were on board with it and like this is one of the best like thrillers in years this is like great mystery storytelling etc and but just nobody nobody saw it yeah and over time it definitely has gained and as a hackman showcase Mm -hmm. it has gained a lot of traction it's like i think a lot of people put it in at least his top 10 
if not maybe his five best performances. I mean, you do have Chinatown the year before, so you kind of wonder like, oh, detective this and that, what are on, we doing? On that note, kind of what if casting, Faye, Faye Dunaway, Dunaway yeah. was not in this because... Of Chinatown. Because of Chinatown. It's Chinatown, Jack. In the long run, way better decision. Of course. Yeah, no. Can yes. you imagine? Yes. Imagine and her and it, Susan okay. Clark switching roles and just being like, wait a minute. Now, on that note, though, I don't know that I'd seen Susan Clark. I've seen her maybe in bit parts and like a few other things. I feel like like she has a very recognizable face and voice. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've seen her maybe just as like a bit part in some other movie of this era that I've seen. But I thought she was great. Like, I think the cast is pretty like uniformly excellent across the board but it's it's hackman's movie of course but the the banter with her in particular okay so let's set it up a little bit for people that maybe didn't watch and again the mystery is also not really the focus of the movie we have a setup case of i've got my daughter's been missing she's been missing for like two weeks she hasn't checked in this young deli delilah grasner mom's rich or so we think okay she slept her way to the top. She'll tell you that outright. Basically. And uh, her daughter seems to take after her. And as much as they, we were told that they were competitive with men over the years, including her stepfather, different dudes who frequented these these movie sets, etc. She used to be in... Excuse You're looking at me very... What? It's all coming back to me that you told me to watch out for Melanie Griffith's barely underage boobs, and I, I mean, did not realize the entire movie that that was Melanie Griffith. So... She is almost unrecognizable. Yes. But, yes. Melanie Griffith apparently shoots the bulk of this movie while she is still 16 years old. I read this and it made me feel a lot better, actually. (laughs) Weirdly. They come back and do a pickup shot for the nudity that they needed when she turned 18. Oh, good. So, apparently she ages a year and a half in in a cut. But mm-hmm. you wouldn't you wouldn't notice because again she's pretty much unrecognizable. This is even her voice. I'm like yeah no I didn't notice at all. She doesn't have the Melanie all. Griffith voice. I was like no. where was it? Because she's sense. in the credits. I saw it and then I go through the whole movie and I'm like where the hell was Melanie Griffith? And I'm like oh yeah. oh okay all right. So he gets this setup. You gotta find a girl. classic noir detective setup. We give you very little background. There's a missing girl. That's all you really need to know. But the kind of deconstruction starts with he he bailed on going out with his it is his wife correct not just his girlfriend they are married correct yeah yeah he stops by her office but he's like hey I got to go see this woman in the Hollywood Hills blah 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 you know I won't be able to make the movie she's like oh you don't want to come see the latest Eric Romer movie and he's like I saw a Romer film once it's kind of like watching paint dry yeah I can't do a good hack. So I'm not even going to try for the rest of this. No, I, I couldn't. Especially that era Hackman. I can't. So he doesn't go to the movie, but he knows where she's going to be. He happens to be passing it on his way home. And he does a little detective work. Sees her coming out of there with her co-worker and this other dude who I did not at first recognize until he spoke in the later scenes. But it's Harris Eulen. Yeah. It's the Harris Eulen. Uh, so he, uh, he tails them. He sees them making out. Beats her home, sitting in the dark, and he's playing, like, I mean, you're just waiting for him to say Unload. something about it. You're waiting like he, for, yeah. you know, the pot to boil over. And he, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And a few scenes later, he shows up at Harris Ewood's place, just, like, pops him to chat with him about, like, hey, so you're banging my wife. <laughs> Very, 
not how you would expect no the typical detective character exactly. to handle this sort of situation so they have like a full-on dialogue about it uh is that the sam spade moment or does that come a little later I can't remember. I just know he's like. But there's literally a moment where he's like, "You, you know, hit me, hit me like Sam Spade would." Where he's basically like, "Why it. aren't you exhibiting the that's, machismo you know, it's a, yeah. that we, you know, because he's like, from your you should go ask her." And he's like, "Suppose I'm asking you." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh shit, okay, here we go." And then uh, that, that's what I'm talking about. It just kind of being not typical because you would expect anybody in that situation to just want to like go off. But he's also kind of like, "Well." Let me come at this from like a different angle of like, what is it serious for you? Like, is this a serious thing? You know? Well, and it kind of, it sets up kind of the crux of the whole movie, which is this guy, more than he needs to solve this mystery, he needs to understand why she did this or why this happened to him, essentially. Right. And that kind of carries through with everything we're about to see. So anyways, he tracks a couple leads, or the first lead is... A very young, oh my very God, grimy, very appropriately just, just so, terrible Jimmy Woods. Yeah, under car, he well, roughs him up. A listen, bit. we're gonna call him Jimmy Woods for the rest of it. Okay, yeah. I don't want to call him James Woods. Yeah, Jimmy's He's not old enough. He's definitely Woods. Jimmy in this yeah. movie. Uh, so Jimmy Woods is a he's working in an auto body shop. He's a mechanic who sometimes works on movies. Right. Okay. So we get a tip that Deli again, sixteen year old Melanie Griffith, the daughter, the girl who's missing. Was in the desert. Yes. Hanging out on the film set with this other stunt dude. Right. Marv, I believe. Right. Okay. So. Marv flies, flies planes. Yes. Yes. That's the lead. Hackman goes to check it out. There he meets the stunt coordinator who's right. kind of showing him around. Right. Okay. Talks to Marv. Sounds like, you know, yeah, she's, he basically starts to build the theory that like, okay, she's literally trying to like bang all the same dudes that her her mom did as some Pretty kind much. of weird revenge exactly because i think she's trying she, to get even yes. i think she's trying to even the score I'm like, oh god <laughs> yes. okay so the we we later learn but the crux of this here is the inheritance she doesn't like her mom and she feels that her mom is basically just using her because to get any of the money that was left by the husband who they're divorced or he's dead he died he died that's she the thing re- I was wondering. She's he's listening to this woman say this on like a tele something because she's reading off all this information. Was that somebody who called him back? That's or? his. That's his buddy. It's a male voice that when he's recording and writing or writing down stuff in the opening credits. No, when he's driving and he's listening to her. Oh, the profile on her. Yeah. Yeah. That so, he went and got more tapes on. Okay. On her. Front. Yeah. All right. I his just dude who set him up with it was like, "Hey, we'll get you everything on." Um, that we have on file about okay. her, et cetera. And that's where we get the background. She's a failed actress, et cetera, married into the movie business. Mm-hmm. And Delhi has, that's where they tell you, yes, Delhi has an inheritance, but the key to getting access to any of that money for the mom is that they have to be living together. Right. And so she has basically bailed. She's going from dude to dude that she knew through her mom. Okay. So eventually, Florida where this all heads this was the other reason that's it was her like this is her most recent ex-husband yes her most recent stepfather who Deli is staying with right who also has a very vague relationship with Su- what's oh my gosh what is her name <laughs> um 
Jennifer Warren. Jennifer Warren is who I meant to... Well, excuse me. Who did we mention earlier? Susan... Susan Clark. Susan Clark, who was great, but excuse me, Jennifer Warren would have been the Faye Dunaway role. No. Susan Clark would have been Faye Dunaway. Susan Clark is the wife, correct? Right. No. There's no way Faye Dunaway would be the wife character. The role of Ellen, played by Susan Clark, was originally offered to Faye Dunaway, who turned down the co-star in Chinatown. I feel like this may have been a very different script then, at some point, because it's such a minor character. You would think the Faye Dunaway role, the kind of interesting film fatale, is Paula, who he meets down in Florida, played by Jennifer Warren, who I think is incredible in this movie. That's who I assumed the Faye Dunaway role would have been. I did not research it deep enough. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so he gets down to the keys to the stepfather's place on the water. And again, stepdad has a vague relationship with this woman, Paula, but then apparently may or may not have been fooling around with Deli. We're not sure. It's hinted at. It's a little vague. Within like five minutes of meeting Deli himself, Harry, Gene Hackman, is, I mean, she's putting all the moves on him. Like, trying all her tricks. But again, he's been forewarned by pretty much everybody. Like, this is her MO. Like, mm-hmm. maybe. But before he even really meets her, he's already, like, we see the way he's looking at Paula. Oh, definitely. He's, he's like, all about that. Who is, who's this woman? I'm yeah. intrigued. This is interesting. And they have good banter immediately. Oh, yeah. Which is great. Um, and we kind of just hang out. In, in Florida. In the Keys, man. For a while. Yeah, I was okay. like, oh, this is they're just... Like, they're just chilling. Uh, there's the great nighttime scene where he's playing chess on the porch. Mm-hmm. Reoccurring. He has a chess thing in his car, which I thought was so cool. And he's like spying on his wife. He has a little mini chess board. Yeah. Plays against himself. And he sets up the title of the movie. Maybe, we should, maybe that needs to be the running theme of all these retro rewatches. They gotta say the title yeah. in the movie at some point. Let me tell you, excessive force. I counted. <laughs> okay. I did though. I know that the song was released a year later after the movie, but I desperately wanted like either the end credits or somewhere so Bob odd. Seeger yeah, to just be we'll, coming through. I mean, I will tell you, we're gonna play off with with night moves well, do for, you this think seg- he, for this segment. Do but... you think he wrote that song because of this movie though? There's no way. It's it's uh, no. It's just a comment. No. Oh come on, man. You think he inspired? Like no, I don't. Because no, no, no. moves to me whenever I listen to it is so like it's a it's a small town coming of age type song. Yeah, yeah no, that's I, what it's I, that, about. I get it, but like he needs a title, and he's looking around, and oh, I remember Hackman Night Moves. Oh, I'm gonna call it Night Moves. I think Night Moves is just a and and excuse me to go off of the scene where the title comes from. This movie should be titled Night Moves. K N I G H T moves. Yeah. Because he's talking about this famous chess game. And, okay, I I need to read this because it's, it's basically the entire metaphor for the movie all wrapped Please up in, like, explain one, this to me. one sequence. I did not get any of this. Okay. The chess game on which the title of the film was based was a real game. The game was K. Emmerich White versus Bruno Moritz in black. But, uh, played in Bad Onienhausen, Germany, in... 1922. In the film, we see the position after White's 26th move. As Mosby shows Paula, Black could have finished the game with a queen sacrifice followed by three knight checks. 
but he played something else and lost. The whole setup is it's this famous case where like this match has been studied, it went on for so long, whatever. And this guy defeated this other dude with this great move or whatever, and it's all because he did the guy wasn't watching the right thing, basically. The setup is like he was so focused on this aspect or like this part of the game that he completely missed this like backdoor move. He missed the grand scheme of things. He played big on this one move. I don't understand chess, but I understood enough of like what it was trying to show us, which is basically like I knew from that moment I was like, This movie's taking its time. I have no idea what's going on Exi- with the yeah, mystery. Okay. I have no idea where this is going. And I was like, and I this is basically telling you it's not the point because he is not gonna get this. Like, he's gonna fuck it up. And that's when I knew I was like Obviously, it's it's the middle of the seventies. I'm like, I'm expecting a bleak downer ending. Yes, to begin with, but this is like, yeah, he bet, he bets it all and he he fucks it up. Yeah, which is basically how the movie plays out. So because eventually, you get, well, you get that like if he just listened to her and not like just been like, oh, this is a whiny chick that wants to go home. Like she explained, like, look, this yeah, is thing how things are going. Talking to her, yeah, this things would have gone very differently, probably for sure. Long story short, he convinces Deli to come back to Hollywood with him. Returns her to the mother. Things seem to kind of go back to normal, except he doesn't feel great about it. Because mm-hmm. he sees, like, he gets paid, etc. But he sees her immediately trying to, like, sneak out with, is it Quentin? Yeah. Is Jimmy Woods? Yeah. So he's still in the picture. And things are kind of whatever we... You're forgetting that while in Florida, one of the reasons why she does come back is because he jumps in and saves her when she freaks out because they find a plane. Excuse me, yes, they go night swimming. Why they need to go that far out into the ocean to go swimming, I'm not really sure. It's not even that. I think it's like just a causeway, like to get, you're not really in the ocean. But anyways, yeah. while she's diving, again, apparently they came back when she was 18. So feel how you want to feel about it. You're still looking at an 18-year-old girl and we're in our 30s. I'm almost in my 30s. I was going to say, you're not 30 yet. Hang on, bro. Anyways. You'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go Uh, ahead. Great setup of the... uh, The only other movie that comes to mind that I've seen it in is Piranha 3D. Yeah. Where you have the glass bottom boat and everything. Which, I mean, I've been on a glass bottom boat, but just that's what I always think of. Oh, fancy, huh? We've been on one together, I'm pretty sure. You didn't... Universal, when we went... Last the little fairies, like I thought they. No, they didn't mind. have got some other place you were at, dude. It wasn't. It must have been a dream. <laughs> it must, must have been. been a dream. Okay. Goes sees her under the glass bottom boat. She freaks out. We basically have like a Jaws moment. Yeah. Where she finds a, a floater, if you will, in the wreckage of this plane down there, and it's pretty much unidentifiable. Like we can't quite tell who this is. No, you have no idea. You just it's puffy. Yes. So she He's freaks out. She's like, yeah, I do want to go home. And as far as we know, Paula is calling this in to the Coast Yeah, she leaves a marker for the Coast Guard. Yeah. yeah. And she's... Because she's as you heard in the trailer, still a lot of smuggling going on down here. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, of course. What would it be? And this is prime. This is like 75. This is prime, like, mm, weeds coming out, cocaine slowly coming into, like, Miami. So yeah. the Keys are definitely still a hot spot. So... Takes Deli back. Drops her off. Doesn't feel great about it, but it's whatever. We get another, more interaction with the ex-wife. I love that he just comes over to their place where they're at. He yeah. just like lets himself in. Yep. This might be the Sam Spade scene. I'm not sure, but... That happens before. Because he knows 
he's a detective because he's like she told me about your parents and how you couldn't find him and all this and that yeah and this is just this is the harry thinks if you do this he's gonna make you eat that cat like that's that scene when he shows yes. up great just great hackman the other great hackman is when he yells at his wife in the earlier scene yes <laughs> you crushed me about my life like yeah. yeah i can't again i can't do a good hackman, no. but i love when he yells i love it Eventually, he gets word that Deli has died in a car wreck on a, on movie, a set. movie set. Who's driving? The stunt coordinator. She was Who happy. Who's working on it? Quentin. But and I love that looks. they find out through sh- watching other dailies and reels and realize, yes. oh, here's Quentin. He runs in, he does this, he does that. And uh, yeah. so Hackman's like, okay, I think I got the idea here. So he's on to Quentin. Eventually, how does he get back down to Florida though? What? So, all right, he he's <laughs> on to Quentin, and Quentin explains that, like, you know, yeah, he knew some people, he knew whatever, and you know, it was all wrong, and eventually, he, you know, they fight in his house, and Quentin hightails it out of there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he puts it together with the stunt coordinator guy that hey, was he friends with? With her ex-husband, yeah, of course he was. They were all into this. Him and and you know all of them were. So he gets he decides to go back to Florida, and that's when you realize he that finds he finds the, woods in the dolphin thing, which we didn't mention earlier. But yeah. Paul is keeping dolphins to sell to people. Yes, apparently, totally fine thing to do in Florida in the seventies. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Uh, and then we still don't, don't we still know it all. Know we don't have it all. Scheme of things, but we know the ex-husband's involved in some smuggling of some sort. Paul is obviously aware of it. Mm-hmm. He and the ex-husband tussle. Husband eventually knocks himself out. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> runs into a stump. Yeah. He does throw him through the porch, though, which is great. The screen oh, porch. Yeah. Uh, they have a great little tussle. And then basically... You find out that... He, well, he tells Paula, like... Take me out to this Work. wreckage because it wasn't about the plane that went down there. The plane wasn't transporting anything. The plane was trying to pull this artifact that they had basically stashed there. Right. Get it out of the ocean that they were transporting in piece by piece. This like super value. And all of a sudden you're like, we're an hour and 20 minutes into this movie. We're talking about fucking artifacts but, now. Like, but, where is this shit going? But the key, if you're paying attention... It comes back at the very end. The key is these are special kind of artifacts that are worth a ton of money. And when we get to the end, I'll explain why this is important. It's the very end. Yes. Um, but you find out that the plane was actually being driven by Marv. Marv. Yes. That is why she freaked out. She didn't tell anybody, but that's why she freaked out. It was Marv down there. And you realize, wait a minute, we saw Jimmy Woods like messing with Marv's plane. As they're driving away and Hackman waves at him. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And so you find out that it's this big conspiracy between the ex-husband, Marv the plane flyer, and Jimmy Woods' character, Quentin, to basically, and you know, they've been... But there's there's one more party who's key here. Yeah. Okay. Paula takes him out. To the wreckage. To the wreckage. Because Paula, as we just said, she wasn't leaving a marker for the Coast Guard. It was for them to go back to be able to get it themselves. Exactly. Yes. So he's, again, he took his eye off the ball. He's had no idea what's going on. He's trying to catch up quick. All of a sudden, 
there's a plane encircling them. And the dude has an Uzi <laughs> from the cockpit. Just, just spraying, spraying, praying. praying. Yep. yep. <laughs> Ends up, like, clipping the plane. She goes down. She's trying to bring the thing up. She's in her tank, right? Right. She's sky. She, skydiving. She's scuba diving down. Yes. Right. So, plane decides to try and take her out. Flies yeah. towards it. Plane gets clipped by the statue. Rips in half. Like, Harry's been shot in the leg at this point. He's trying. He's hanging over the Everything side trying goes to down. And then, plane sinks in through the glass bottom boat on the other side from underneath. One of the best shots of the movie. Like, looking up at Harry. It's the best shot of the movie. Yeah. And then looking back down and we see... The stunt coordinator is the one who was flying. And the only way you see that it's him is because he still has his arm. The other arm that wasn't shooting is still in the bandage from having been in that wreck. In the car accident, yeah. So you realize that she found out that Marv was underneath there. She comes back. The wife asks to be, you know, hey, can you get her in the movies, whatever. He agrees. And then fatally, only she is killed in this car wreck. And he survives. The key thing is, he is the one that mentions how valuable these tiny trinkets are. At the very beginning of the movie, when you meet him, he talks about how important they are, how how much they're worth. So I thought that was brilliant that, of course, because I'm like, who is it going to be that's shooting this? This can't be the big bad of it all. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's, oh, of course. And I love it's a, it's a thing with like every great detective movie that you see. You already know everything going in. You just have no idea that you do. And I can see where people, having come off of the huge success of Chinatown, and it's like, okay, well now it's Gene Hackman's turn to try and do this thing. I can see where the general population of movie-going people in the 70s were like, eh, okay, cool, I'll go. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But I can also see where people who love the film noir genre, who were still trying to keep it going, I don't know where it is currently in this day, but I could see why they dug it and loved it, because it is... It is one of the, my new favorites when it, it comes to It seems like genre. it would be like a great cable staple, but speaking of that, at the time, I'm like, if you could, I could see you kind of like walking out, which is the great effect of it, just kind of like mystified, like, what the, like, what was that all about? Like, does it all make sense? Does it all come together, et cetera? And maybe wanting to see it again to clarify a bit, and like, it wasn't always an option Yeah, back in the day. So I could see people just kind of coming out a little confused by it and the tone of it and just being like okay but stands like now going back to it is like just a classic like example of the genre i think we both highly recommend it if we want to give it a you know a star rating or whatever you want to do oh i'd give i mean, I'd give it a five out of five definitely That's, yeah I'm I'm right there with you. If we're doing a five star scale, probably. I mean, if you want to do a ten, if we're, star? if we're doing the ten, I'm at like an eight, eight point five. Yeah, I think it's super solid, great performance. I mean, there's there are better Hackman performances, but like the guy doesn't give bad performances. So why would you not want to see this one? Wait, wait, are you endorsing Welcome to Mooseport? Is that I've what you're doing? Never seen it. Okay, but, all right. So you can't say he doesn't give bad might, ones. Might be good, dude. It could. It it's the reason he doesn't make movies anymore. It's the last one he ever did. <laughs> Oh, you, dude, who knows? I do have a respect for that, though. Like, yeah, what if... No, 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 I'm saying, okay. what if what if Thomas Ian Griffin is like, I'm, I am I did it, I'm done? What if Hackman's like, I kind of did it, I'm done? What if that's the theme of this two-by-two two review? It's guys who've been like, they were amazing, if we wish want, they came back, well, but they're kind of done. I'm sure we'll get into what Thomas Ian Griffith has been 
So maybe we, uh, oh, yeah. maybe we can do that uh, now. So yeah. we both thoroughly enjoyed Night Moves. We spoiled the entire movie for you. Hopefully you watched it. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, so that's a that's a big giant two thumbs up, whatever we want to call it, and it ringing endorsement. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. We'll, we'll think of something fun. We both really dug it. So okay, uh, we're pretty deep into this one, but without further ado. It's time to talk 1993's Excessive Force. Take a listen to the trailer. Terry McCain has a way of surprising people. Shake up your life. Do something crazy with it. Play music for a living. You saying what I do now is not crazy enough? That's what makes him dangerous. These statements were obtained through the use of excessive force. It's the third time he beat me, too. The third time? Yeah, well, he beat me, too, but you don't see me getting crazy about it. Word has it DeMarco lost $3 million on your last bust. That means he thinks one of us took it. Last chance, detective. Where's my money? There was no money. Now, these punks, man, think twice about killing a cop because they know it brings down serious misery. What do you want? I want to see the tough guy. I want to see the guy who smashes knees, shoots people in the face. He's just going to be coming after you next, or Frankie. You're out of control, Terry. Thomas Ian Griffith. Excessive force. Die with a little dignity. Finally, the punishment fits the crime. All right, baby. Excessive Force, oh, 1993. This, is, this, this was is... a first-time watch for me. Uh-huh. And a treat for me to go back to oh, again. What a, what a goddamn treasure yes. this movie is. I, every once in a while, you get a little gift. Mm-hmm. And you get a little present for yourself. And you unwrap it slowly. Let me describe my viewing experience. Please. This is this all movie. I want to hear okay. about. First of all, I put a YouTube link in the episode last time for people so they could easily pull it up admittedly horrible quality yes it's dark it's grainy it's worse than vhs quality it's bad digitization so what did i do there's another another upload okay that has like french or italian dubbing over it i'm not sure but the picture quality is much better so on my PS4, oh my God. I watched the dubs cut with the sound off. And on my laptop, I had headphones with the shitty looking cut for audio. So the entire hour and 25 minute runtime is me slow, you know, making little tiny adjustments every few minutes as I'm taking my notes. And uh, it was quite an experience, but I, t- I, I never wanted it to end. To be quite honest with you, yeah, dude, it's that good. And I, I say a present because, again, this movie just it unfurled to me. I was like, Thomas Ian Griffith at, as the lead was enough of a selling point. Okay, that's all you really needed to tell me. That's it. But then you start adding some of these other details in here. Do we have, like, one of the ten best action movies ever made? I don't know. Yes, don't of know. the 90s, that's for sure. Of of this level of action movie and what it is, how is this not, like, how is this not one that gets talked about all the time? Seriously. I feel what like happened? if it was made, no, if, if it was made more available to people. I do know they botched the release for the most part. Okay, this is a New Line Cinemas release, and I did come across this in my research. They were essentially hoping 
he's the next Steven Seagal. They were trying to do what Warner Brothers had basically done with like, okay, you get a big, you get a get a name. Mm-hmm. I, we consider him a name at this point. Of course, they're trying to make a name out of him. Regardless, you get somebody who can actually do this shit. Mm-hmm. You put him in an action movie. You, you give him some solid villains. But solid the difference supporting between cast. difference between him and Seagal is. Thomas Ian Griffin can go on the offensive. Steven Seagal never hits a man. He waits for that person to throw something and just throws him. Yes. Or punches after being attacked. Like, he's very... Of course, he, I mean, he is a low man. I mean, a real low man. You know, yeah, shout out. Whatever. <laughs> just kidding. I would have much rather had 20 Thomas Ian Griffith action Fuck, movies. Dude, I, he's he's not that old. He could still do it. Did you see his St. Patrick's Day post? I did not. Then we will have to watch it together. We need to. Pretty goddamn charming. Okay. <laughs> Where do we begin? Do you want me to just take you through my notes? Please do. Kind of guy. I just want to. I want movie. you to do this because first note: excessive force, nineteen ninety three, killer guitar. Yes. From the second this movie opens, a it opens exactly like I want all of these movies to open. Night cityscape, and I want the title to fucking just clink. Yes. In on the screen, <laughs> it totally does that. Cut to Thomas Ian Griffith, your fucking star, training in the dark. Okay. Getting, just, just getting, getting yep. ready. Getting ready to fuck some people up, dude. Okay. By f- okay. We see Burt Young. This is before the opening goes. Second note. Burt Young. I'm like, hey, rock. You know, <laughs> here we go. And we see in Terry. His name is Terry? That's yes. my other thing. Dude, his, his name this, is fucking this, Terry. Yes. We'll wait, we'll get to it, though. But we see DeMarco gets off again, this newspaper headline in the background. I'm like, he's fucking training to go get this DeMarco guy. All right, all right. I guess Burt Young is DeMarco. I'm putting it together. Visual storytelling. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> Visual okay. storytelling. Here's where my head almost explodes. Written by, by Thomas, Thomas Ian Griffin. <laughs> yes. No one told me. <laughs> <laughs> No Nobody told. told me. I got. So, I was just getting progressively more and more jacked before the credits are over. I'm just like, he wrote this shit for himself. He called himself Terry. He gets it. He gets that Terry Silver is a fucking icon. He understands it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Okay. So, great supporting cast. Next note. My man, E. He's not W. Earl Brown yet. Just no, Earl he's just Brown. Earl he's Brown. He's just straight yeah. up Earl Brown as DeMarco's son, the lead henchman. Right. No beard, clean no shaven, vaguely Italian. I but guess. also has like a weird kind very, of possibly very, southern and accent. And they're, they're in Chicago, which comes into play a little bit. A little bit. We'll get into it. But yeah, so I'm, I, see, I see Earl Brown in the credits and I'm like, it has to be, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, it was before he started credits. So... so I was like, dude, if he's your henchman, if he's like one of your lower hoods, we're doing all right. Yeah. We're doing okay here. <laughs> okay. So, uh, oh yeah, very early, this within like the first three minutes, but Burt Young puts a fucking pen in the ear of a dude who fucked up. Right after the opening scene, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we know he means business. He's, he's a mobster. That's all I really need to know. And... Terry McCain, is that right? Oh yeah, Terry yeah. McCain. Terry McCain and his crew are going in to take him down. Now, who's the crew consist of? Hold on, to your who's seats. the other dude? 
Frankie Hawkins. Frankie Hawkins? Do we know? It's Tony Todd. No, okay, that's not where I was going. I was saying the other dude, because obviously Tony Todd's the one we were talking about. Um, But Landry, is that right? No. Dylan. Okay, here we go. Tom Hodges. mm -hmm. Do you know who Tom Hodges is? Is that... Tom Hodges is fucking Lars in heavyweights. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) He's Lars in heavyweights two years after this. Wow. I'm losing my mind. The movie is like, has barely started yet, okay? So his crew is Lars from heavyweights and fucking Candyman, dude. Tony Todd, okay? So they're going in. They're going, they're taking down these guys. Are they even in the middle of a deal? I don't even know what's going on. All you know is that there's a thing that they have a meet something going yeah, down. Whatever. They're supposed to get they, a bunch of money. Yeah. There's like three million dollars at play here. So cold hard cash. Yes, that's the plan. They go in, high kicks galore, action all over the place. You're forgetting. Dylan, you're forgetting what? the the commotion starter. He starts singing, "Oh, Danny boy." Oh, well, I know me. you. Yes. Yeah, I know you too. Boom, boom. But it's like boom, boom. boom. You're down. And yes. I love all all of the little one liners. I jotted down a few. But Please. yes, he has some great. Great over. We should look through the quotes page. I'm willing well. to bet you he wrote every single one for himself. Well, he, he's he the writer, to. dude. Yeah. I was like, okay. So it goes in. He lays waste to all these dudes. Dylan gets like grazed in the midst of all this. Isn't that right? Dylan gets Mess shot. up my jacket. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, I'll buy you a new one. And then, yeah, I'll boom. buy you a new one. And then continue with the chase. Uh, it culminates with him like kick, does a run off the bar, kicks this dude through the front window of the bar. Epic, great, awesome. Perfect. A lot of kicks, a lot of high kicks, a lot of using his height. This is a tall man. He is a very tall and drink of water. Glorious long locks of hair and a giant overcoat. What more could you want from a nineties action it's hero? Perfect. Okay. So he he sews up business for the night. I I think this is maybe our early introduction to Devlin, Mr. Lance Henriksen, as the as the chief. Or the Soon guy who's to about to be commissioner, is that right? Yes. Okay. So, shortly hereafter, this is this is when things really kick into high gear. Do you know why? We get an introduction to James Earl Jones. Yes. Not a line at all for his first scene. Nope. Terry goes into what is like, like a blues jazz bar. Deja vu. Yeah. James Earl Jones is jamming on the sax, and I'm like, dude. All right, James Earl Jones is his buddy. Like, okay, I'm digging this. Then fucking Thomas Ian Griffith sits down and starts tickling the goddamn ivories. Yep. And they're just jamming together. Again, this is the introduction to James Earl Jones, fucking Darth Vader. <laughs> no Mufasa. lines. Just chilling no on the saxophone. Line. Yeah, yep. just chilling on the saxophone. And I was like, I kind of wish that was it. <laughs> like, we just never, yeah. never came back to this. But they don't. They don't even reveal to you yet. He lives above this place. Yes. This badass, who all he seems to do in his spare time is train in martial arts to take down drug dealers, also plays amazing jazz piano and hangs out with James Earl Jones on a regular basis and lives above Deja Vu, a jazz bar. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Okay. So... Cut to the next day, I guess. Justice system moves really quickly. And DeMarco's getting off for the third time. Why? Because he used excessive force. First time. 
first time. The judge says it. Okay. And then when you hear it again, within two seconds, Burt Young says, Hey, excessive it force. It like, looks like that's his nickname now. Great stuff. So he's furious. He's like, this is the third time. I'm like, dude, the fucking third time? Like, dude, just move somewhere else. Like, obviously. Just shoot that motherfucker. Corrupt city. Like, seriously. (laughs) What are we talking about here? The third time? Okay. Uh, We get him training with Tony Todd, sparring in the boxing gym. A little upset. Uh, You want to fight Frankie? Okay. Boom. One of my favorite lines in here, he basically cheats for him and he's like, Dirty but sweet, and I was like, that kind of describes Thomas Ian Griffith. In yeah. that show. It's just his energy and pretty much everything. He's like, he's a little dirty, he's a little grimy, but he's a sweetheart. He's yeah. a sweetheart. He's a good guy. Okay. Uh oh, and Tony Todd's at some point is like, hey man, you want to come out and like party with me? Be my basically, you want to come be my wingman? Tony Todd asks you to be his wingman. You fucking take him up on it. But he's like, no, there's only one woman for me. I'm loving this shit, dude. <laughs> just the cop is just like. Nah, but there's nobody like... Is it Lisa? What the fuck? Anna. There's nobody like Anna, though, man. And I'm just like, oh, Anna, man. They must have had, you know... He's out there risking his life all the time. And, like, you know, she can't deal with it. Like, they got a troubled past. Of course, when we meet her, she is a 10 out of 10, 100% smoke show. Fucking model. I'm sure he enjoyed casting that role for himself. I hope so. Um, Very chaste sex scene when we do eventually get to it. Which, that would... That's my first note on the back page. Oh, yeah, you bet there's a (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, DeMarco's off. And, uh, this is, oh, okay. This is when we get the hit crew basically coming in for Dylan and his girlfriend. On Terry's birthday. Yes. He didn't come hang out with him on his birthday. Exactly. Tony Todd's like, come out with me. And he's like, no, nah, you know, I'm going to go out. Yeah. So Dylan's not picking up. They're not coming. They break in. Earl Brown shoots the girl. Classic. Like, again, I keep thinking this is an 80s movie, though. It's 93. But just the what a waste. waste. Like, just, yeah, I was like, oh, man, she's got to die. And then. Dylan has to suffer the fucking humiliation. They break this dude's legs before <laughs> listen, they shoot. Listen, we can talk about that later because that's one of my the the scene in which yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, but they kill they kill his partner. Right. Okay. Dump him in the in the the uh, in the trash. Just in, in the, the trash. Dump, yeah. yeah. Terrible. And which, they leave they leave the girlfriend there. They find her first. They find him second. And they basically know, like, okay, it's fucking open season now. Yeah. Like, we need to watch our backs. To which, no, that prompts him to, like, go to... That's when he goes, like, I'm looking for him. Like, um, he goes looking for him. Because he... I noticed, because it's not... He doesn't have a full shirt on. He has, like, a tank top on. Then he throws the overcoat on. He goes to one place, and the dude isn't there. And that's that. That's it for the night. We're done. Right? He's upset, but he's not that upset. Okay? And we cut to Dylan's funeral. Yes. And he's given a cat. It was like, hey, this cat was your birthday present, Again, man. You, we are just ratcheting up the things. You just gave this fucking badass cop who plays jazz piano. Has a, and is pining an, over a hot model girlfriend he's on the house with. little kitten that is the only living memory of his it, dead partner? This is gold, dude. What the fuck? Like, this is... I want to know. I want to know... The yes and session that he and somebody else went on. <laughs> I want to be in that room 
Okay, he's a cop. Yes, and. And he plays jazz. Yes, and. And he's great at kung fu and karate and all that. Yes, and. And. Yeah, guns, he can use them. Doesn't really need them. I mean, he's killing really that first scene, though. He's got a bunch of. He kills he got, a lot of people yeah. with guns, but he doesn't need them. <laughs> this yeah. is at the end of the day. Terry McCain is a weapon. Yes. Shortly after this, though, before he decides when things get really serious, he and Tony Todd are hanging out. And he's like, man, I got to go get a change of clothes up in my apartment. And you're like, grab me a beer. And you're like, all right. <laughs> you're, we said stick together. Terry but you... goes into the corner store. He's like, you, we literally just had a conversation at the funeral that like, it's open season on us now. Like, boom, basically. <laughs> Fucking yeah. Tony Todd's apartment gets blown up. And I have a giant note. Tony Todd, no. Which I'll regret writing in just a little bit. All right. Uh, oh, I had a note in here that I was like, solid, like, dead body. D- we see, whose dummy do we see? His, like two he seconds. gets burn up, yeah. Yeah, we see a Tony Todd dummy, right? And yeah. I, I literally have a note that I'm like, dude, solid dummy for like a four to two second shot. Like, yeah. it actually took the time to make it look like Tony Todd or it is Tony Todd with makeup on. Because they make know. a point like, you're not going to like what you're going to see into here. And of course, that's when Lance Henderson is like, do what Go, you have to do. Hey, this conversation never happened. Yeah. Basically, Devlin gives him the green light. He's like, dude, just go waste this guy. Not a big deal. Nobody's Nobody cares. Go deal with it. So, he rolls in, and I'm like, dude, it's like 30 minutes in this movie. It's like, Burt Young's the bad guy, right? Like, where are we going with this? I was like, I thought we'd have way more action set pieces to, like, get to him. Mm-hmm. Just rolls up in there, and basically, Burt Young turns out. I want to see the tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the guy who shoots people in the face. <laughs> basically. But, hold on. Go ahead. Before this, we do have this scene where he, we finally see Anna. He goes back to her apartment. It's like, this cat was given to me by my best friend, Dylan. Or whatever, it's like, it's the last thing he gave me. He's dead now. It's like, I mean, they broke his legs before they shot him. Yeah. His legs. His legs. Just like him coming to terms. And and I think that was probably like the best thing. And maybe that was the downfall of like the viewing audience. They're like, ah, Terry's a wuss, man. But like that little thing of like. It's his partner, dude. This, my, my, my family has been murdered. And they realize now that it is all over money. They get that by this point. And he's like, but just him processing that and being like, yeah, I'm amazing. My hair's great. I have a great body. I can kick ass. And I play a fucking amazing piano. But I'm a sensitive guy. Yeah. I'm worried. I get, I get, I'm vulnerable. Like, Can't you see I'm vulnerable? I like cats. Look at this kitten. <laughs> like you know, I can't get over myself. I'm drinking here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Him apologizing to her over and over about stuff. and just like, oh, come on, Terry. <laughs> Get it together, baby. It's going to be okay. Then we get to this okay, scene. So he rolls in there. Uh, great one-liner in here is, you look good wrapped in garbage. Yes. Uh, after he, when he fucks up the dude on the outside before he rolls into the right. restaurant. Anyways, he gets Burt Young down on the ground. And he just turns into a weeping mess, basically. Like, totally not intimidating any of this. And ba- he walks away. He's like, you're pathetic. Like, it wouldn't be worth killing you. And I'm like, it literally... I'm going to go ahead and spoil it. People may or may not have watched it. Who the fuck cares? The second that this happens, I'm like, yeah, Henriksen did it. <laughs> Just, I was like, yep, I thought it might go this route. Definitely Henriksen's behind this whole thing. So then I'm I'm like, I'm a little ahead of it, but I mean, look, I, I have it right here. <laughs> it's Henriksen behind it. Called it. 
Now, did you call the great... other the other big one though? The other big reveal, and kind of also, which I was not mad at at all. Okay, so Hendrickson is behind it all. We get that revealed. I forget how but... he goes to meet with the son or whatever, and he was like, you know, oh, you know, you need to handle this. Oh, because your guys you brought in, yeah, yeah you get yeah. that. Like the guys that have been coming Me after him. Fi- the question, the whole thing is like now in. In light of your father's death, how are we going to proceed in the future? And that's the tip-off to, like, they've been in cahoots the whole time. And he wanted him killed off because he's about to become commissioner. He's been on the take for a long time. He doesn't want all this to get out. He's sewing up, tying up loose ends, if Essentially, you Essentially, yeah. So, you get a great line here <laughs> to from Hendrickson to Earl Brown. You can tell Thomas Ian Griffith just a, a year prior, two years prior, definitely saw Reservoir Dogs, definitely liked it. Because he just straight, this is his version of it. But Hendrickson says to him, Don't even dream alone at night of fucking me. Which is the equivalent of, You shoot me in a dream, you better wake, wake up and apologize. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, great stuff. We're on to the next side of notes. Oh, you bet there's a sex scene, which is basically, he knows he's the only one left at this point. Anna might be in danger. He's got to get her out of town. They got to go to the old house. Out in the country. But he talks about, like, he says something about, like, footsteps and, the th- like, they had kids at some point. Was I, he talking about dreams they were going to have? I know he said something about, like, fires and children playing out front. I was like, did their kids die? Or oh, I don't. If that was the implication, I may have missed that in the midst of my trying to resync things. I may have missed, like, a line of dialogue. I was back under and the impression that. that they, like, had lost a child or anything like that. I have to go, we have to go back and listen to that and just verify it at some point. We'll talk Anyways, about it on the next cast. Uh, okay, so they're out basically on the lam. They uh, he goes back to James Earl Jones, be like, "What the hell, man?" You know? Yeah, and I'm like, "Like not you, Jake. Like you, please tell me you're not involved with this." They tussle. He shoves James Earl Jones. Don't 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 shove James Earl Jones. Don't. don't. He's a delicate man. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, you, and I initially too was I was like, oh, there's no, I was like, you can't do this many twists. I was like, he can't be in on it too because of the other one that I assumed was coming. Okay, but out when they're out in the country, Earl Brown and the Hit Crew show up. Right. Some pretty cool stuff here. The probably the best death in the entire movie is guys attacking him with a pitchfork. He breaks the pitchfork in half and then rams it through the dude's stomach. Probably the most satisfying kill, combined with Earl Brown, who just like drives the car into the barn and gets like wasted in the process. It's just well photographed. Is that the one where he? Is that where he like hangs? He jumps up and puts both. That's a little later. No. Okay, I'm that's think, that's in the that's, city. That's what I remember yeah. from the trailer. Yeah, and seeing it's a poster it, as well. It's like I, a European poster. I am. Well, that's always the scene I would catch on USA because you got to remember, so, man. This was on USA like '97 to 2000. See, and I, that's why I'm, how did I miss time. it in the midst of this? So, in my order of notes, that scene happens. Then he goes back to the city and says and asks Jake because yeah. he's like the only, only one person people that knew that we were there would oh. have been you, as far as he knows, based on the people that are still alive. Right. Right. Exactly. And I love that James Earl Jones comes back to him. This kind of feels like it's from another movie. Or like maybe there was more cut material. But he basically is like, fuck you. <laughs> like, well, you he, get mad he, and smash the place up? Go ahead. Just don't bang up the piano. 
You want nothing to play your music with. Yeah, and he's like, basically, Chicago's a black man's town. Like you, he basically is like you Irish and Italians always like fighting and all this shit. It is basically people like, here before we, you. Yeah, there were people here before you. I was like. The, I want to know more about like this angle. What is Jake? Who the and fuck I'm is like, Jake? And I'm also like, why is Tom? I feel like this is Thomas Ian Griffith just going like, I got to give James Earl Jones some like gravitas to play because it's not really anywhere else in here. But anyway, so that was an interesting little note. We reveal Tony Todd did not get burned up in a fire. It was all staged. He's on the take. He's in it with Devlin. He's planning on getting the fuck out of Dodge, basically. Great setup, I will say, in that shot. I kind of thought it was coming, but when they show Hendrickson show up and there's a very attractive African-American prostitute, you're like, okay, this is just his bag. Okay, whatever. And then we slowly pan around. It's like, oh, this is Tony Todd's woman. All right. Okay. So Devlin tells him, he's like, you gotta kill Terry. He's like, dude, you can't make me like you can't make me fight Terry, basically. Like, no, I don't wanna do that. So you'll be fine, you'll have to drop on him. He's my partner. Yeah. You'll have two seconds while he realizes that you're not a ghost. Like to, to shoot him. To shoot him. So where is this grand finale final set piece gonna go down? Well, Anna, in the midst of this, like hey, Being hunted. We need to Yeah. She's like we decided to do the photo shoot tonight. We went ahead and go ahead at her loft. What the fuck are you talking about? You're going to do a photo shoot at this woman's loft in the middle of like the industrial part of the city where like no one else is apparently, just you guys. Of course they're going to know you. Yeah, there. dude. Just... But you're forgetting that Terry doesn't know this because, of course, Tony Todd's snoo- uh, 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 Frankie is snooping around his uh, his room above the jazz club. And unfortunately, he has to shoot James Earl Jones in the stomach to get away. Yes. But only in the stomach. Yes. And spoiler alert, in case you were concerned. Yes. Terry finds him. He makes it out. And he even says it. You're going to be all right. And I'm like, yes. If he says it, it's fucking gold. We can take it to the bank. (laughs) Jake is going to be okay. Okay. So we head into the closing action set piece. He he gets in. I, I love this where it's like they don't artificially put her in peril. Where it's like one of them has a gun to her head or something like that for the final showdown. Like he clears her whole crew out of here beforehand. He's like, hey, shit's about to go down. Go out the back door. Take your pictures in the alley. Keep moving. Yeah. Tell your story walking. (laughs) All right. So Tony Todd shows up. They have a pretty, pretty good little hand to hand where I'm just like, dude, these are two tall, athletic, in shape motherfuckers who are doing what, from what I can tell, even in this lower res quality, their own fucking stunts. There's only two times when he is going for a kick to Tony Todd that I noticed like a head move before the foot got there kind of thing. There's a little bit of like, I'm not saying the choreography is like, but I couldn't tell if there was a double top to bottom, but he is, you get the feeling that if he had continued in this vein and had built a name for himself as an action star. If he had Wait, gotten, what are you saying? He didn't. I mean, Cracker no, Jack, behind enemy lines. But th- what I'm saying is, if he had gotten to another echelon, if he had been where Seagal was for a bit, with slightly higher caliber directors, he's in, like an incredible physical presence on screen. Yes. And I feel like there's people who could shoot him even better to like make all of this stuff play out better. As it stands, like, again, I just, I love every second of this movie. Now, again, the choreography is totally whatever. But, but again, by ni- ni- early 90s action movie standards, I loved it. Top to bottom. 
great squib effects. Like, there's people getting blown apart. It's not maybe like your Verhoeven level of like 80s. Or your Rodriguez. Yeah, it's we're not, we're not that level, but it's, you know, it's, it's getting it done. It's getting it done. So, he and Tony Todd, they go at it for a bit. Henriksen shows up and shoots him. I, I literally could have written this finale for you, except for how it ultimately goes down, which is great. But basically, he chases Henriksen out of there, Devlin. All has been revealed. They're chasing across the rooftops. And then Thomas Ian Griffith with that giant, you know, he's a fucking giant. He's He's got quite a gate to him. And mm-hmm. he closes this gap so quickly. Hendrickson's going up the railing to go down the fire escape of this building. And there's about, like, what feels like 30 feet between them. Thomas Ian Griffith just bolts, leaps into the air, perfect kick, dead in the chest, kicks him off the fucking roof so satisfying as soon as i knew they were headed to the roof i was like dude i was like if somebody does not get kicked out of a window and fall to their death or off of a building like it's not excessive force yes and i mean there were some other cool fight scenes in the midst of here that i haven't even mentioned i'll let people enjoy those we ran through most of the plot um things wrap up in a hospital things are all good the cat is there <laughs> I love no no I love the I love the part because we see it for two seconds where like Hendrickson goes to get money from it and puts this thing back underneath like an old fridge in a garage or something and he says what happened to the, the James Earl Jones or Jake says what happened to three million dollars I didn't read anything about it in the papers and they kind of look at each other and it's this shot of like the the refrigerator getting wheeled out and put in the back oh, of a yeah. Salvation the, the Army ending, truck. The ending of this, the very it's final so shot odd, is dude. one of the strangest things ever. <laughs> but yeah, they have the classic wrap-up, like, around the hospital bed, and there's the tease of, like, yeah, what happened to the three billion, you know? And you get this, like, slight smirk from Tom Seagrove, that's the note we leave it on. And then the final thing is just Devlin's house getting, like, cleared Packed out. up. Like, because... And put on... Yeah. Put, Put like up for sale, and the refrigerator with the three million dollars in the bottom of it is getting given to the Salvation Army. Yeah, and I think that whole thing is just like, yep, we sure showed him like justice has been served. But what an odd, no- like, I don't know why it's. Well, there. I think it's meant to say that the money's going to be going to a good place, but <laughs> get that when truck did money we get established the that the money was in the fridge. There's a scene where he, Henriksen he's either on the phone or says something at his house and he walks into a room and he pulls open the bottom of a fridge, pulls a, uh, an old briefcase out of it, takes money and puts it back underneath there. I do remember the shot now that you're mentioning it, but the ending did not, I was just sitting there going like, why are they showing us just like Devlin's house getting like yeah. decommissioned? Because the thing. shot of it I is like, it's a wide of him going in. I'm like, he's walking through now, the frame into this build this room what room are we in i couldn't ever yeah, no. figure it out but now it's... Way, way more satisfying and it makes a lot more sense yeah. and honestly makes me want to watch it again so when you get the dvd yes it should be here soon i hope lend it to me because i would love to watch it with a good like we gotta do no, transfer dude, we gotta if you're gonna if i can get it here before the week's end we have to watch it while i'm off and we have to record our own commentary track to it i mean all just our thoughts, us riffing and going back we, and forth. We pretty much just did this, but I do think, in the particular case of like some of these that are very visual and very action heavy, yeah, commentary yeah. would be the way to go. Because I feel like, yeah, we can blaze through the plot, but like you're not gonna appreciate like all the little tiny. Yeah, I I would love to do a commentary for it. Let's so do it, dude. I had an absolute blast with the excessive force. 
I'm looking. I'm. I'm secretly hoping that your next pick for me is is maybe like ulterior motives or behind enemy lines or. I was gonna say let's go with Cracker Jack. It's on Prime, dude. Okay. You give me yeah, Cracker Jack. It's Die Hard it, at a no, ski resort. It's Cliffhanger a year after Cliffhanger is what it is, right? No, because Cliffhanger is like Stallone <laughs> having to. He, Stallone's not a cop. And he has to, like, come to terms with the fact that he lost somebody. He's just a rescuer. This is a cop has to, like, help protect a ski resort from okay. terrorists. And it's diehard at a ski resort. You want to talk about supporting cast here. We got Christopher Plummer and Natasha Kinski. Natasha so, Kinski. Um, I'm glad you picked this one. So, hopefully people aren't too pissed off. Hopefully you're on the train. But, yes, this one you can rent on Prime. Decent quality. I'm probably going to watch it. I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm going to watch it tomorrow, probably. I'm Do watching that. Ronan tonight. Actually. Do it. But anyways, my pick for you is from 1968. Il Grande Silencio. No idea what that is. The Grand Silence, or, as it's known here, The Great Silence. Oh. From Mr. Sergio Corbucci. Okay. Not Leone. Corbucci. I'm going to have to watch this at 10 o'clock in the morning right after I take my Adderall. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it. Second Sergio. It's a spaghetti western. Okay. Set in the snow. It'll keep your attention. Is this the one like where the Hateful Eight comes from? There's definitely some Hateful Eight energy here. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The main draw, main antagonist, Klaus Kinski. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Very intense performance. Uh the lead. I I don't want to spoil too much about it, but basically it's a it's a spaghetti western, predominantly set in the snow. It's pretty fucking violent. It is bleak and dark as hell. I I legit was like, how is this not a seventies movie? The fact that it was nineteen sixty eight genuinely surprised the hell out of me. I'll I'm, okay, I'll see if it makes the list. We'll see we'll see what you think. I figured you hadn't seen this one. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it. I'm enjoying it. I, I'm, there's a lot of things I think are worth talking about in it. But then the ending happens, and my fucking jaw was on the floor. The last ten minutes of this movie, like, I get, that that is basically the reason I'm making you watch it, okay. so we can talk about the ending specifically. So, okay, come with that in mind. But that's what I'm giving you. So we're doing the Great Silence from Sergio Corbucci from 1968. Okay. That one, I believe, is available. You can rent it on Prime. I have a gorgeous 50th anniversary Blu-ray new transfer. I'll take that. That I'm going to lend to you. I'll take that. Yes, sir. Uh, and then we're also going to be watching Cracker Jack. <laughs> Another Thomas Ian Griffith. Out of, I am gonna. I'm going to tell you in advance, no matter how much I like Cracker Jack, we're going to have to take a break from him. Okay? Okay. We're going to have to take a little break. I don't want to burn through all of them, man. Yeah, I don't want to do it, okay? Because I mean, we've got a lot we can go through. Well, we'll talk about them as we and we'll do, you know, we'll do more talk on. Do his you know what his name is? What, can you tell me his name? And Cracker Jack? It's not it's, Jack Cracker. It's Jack Wild. <laughs> Why is not Oh, Cracker Jack. Jack Wild. Oh, let me see if he's a writer on this one too. I don't believe so. He did write Ulterior Motives, though the one before. Excessive force, which is also on YouTube. So if anybody's in the Thomas and Griffith mood, get get into it, guys. Uh, How again, could you not be? Go back to the TVR feed. 
uh, check out our Cobra Kai uh, seasons one and two reviews where basically all we talk about is the fact that we want Terry Silver to fucking be in this show so bad. Uh, yeah. Okay. Whoa. So, until next time, great silence. Or, no, excuse me. I do have a few. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this because I don't know if you actually went and watched it. I told you you might want to check it out. Did you watch Gunshy or no? I uh, know I didn't get a chance to get to it. Okay. Well, but it's it, the trailer I, looked dope. I watched it because I was like, maybe this is an episode. And I do think, like, I want you to watch it. Is this part of we our Michael def- Wincott? We could definitely get some chat about it. Well, that's my whole thing. I'm in this time of seeing Griffin Bone, and I'm like, dude, my other guy. Griffin from and Wincott. My other guy from this era, and like I've been saying, I I just always wanted a buddy cop movie with the two of them, or them as brothers. But my other dude from this era, who I think is extremely underrated, is Michael Wincott. Right. So I'm like, let me see if I can find a Wincott movie streaming. Let me see if I can find. And I stumbled across a little movie from 1998 called Gunshy with him, William Peterson, and Diane Lane. And it's like a film noir no, I want don't don't spoil like, too much because I definitely want to watch it. I don't want to tell you too much about it other than like it's definitely worth watching so we can talk about it. There is some shit in there that like we're in the same way that we had a lot of fun with excessive force and we had a lot of fun with night moves. Some of the just like what the hell of it all. It's worth watching for that. So I'm that, that's maybe a side recommend. Maybe that's the bonus movie for next week. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little gunshot. That works I'm because gonna... what I was seeking out though is I was like. This is a perfect example. I love this dude. I love Thomas Ian Griffith. This is a showcase movie for him. I was mm-hmm. so happy. I was jazzed by it. I'm like, what? Like, other than The Crow, and like, he's getting upstaged in um, Robin Hood. Yeah, by, big time. I mean, he's doing <laughs> his the damnedest, guy. Yeah, he's hanging he's in there, but like, Rickman, yeah. like, 100%. So it's like, what's like a good Wincott movie that I haven't seen? Found that one. And it did deliver on the level of, like, I'm glad I watched him in that movie. And, dude, when are we not going to be excited to see Bill Peterson? In anything. Side note, I could tell you a recommend that's coming up real soon, but I got to rewatch it first. What's that? We're doing fucking To Live and Die in L.A. Oh. Because I still can't believe you've never no, seen I it. No, I never dude. have. Oh, God. We're going to, yeah. That's going to get us back in that, like, Manhunters vibe. It's going to be a good time, dude. Mm. Oh, okay. So. Next, I don't want to say next week because I don't know when we're doing it, but Great Silence, Cracker I mean, Jack. I'm telling you right now, I have an entire week of... I can come down here on a Tuesday, record and watch stuff with you all day long, sleep on your couch and do it again Wednesday, if you want to. It does not matter to me. Okay. I am here for you, brother. We'll figure something out. Okay. Uh, I hope everybody's enjoyed this. Uh, yeah, this was, we're gonna this make, was fun. This was, this was fun for fun. me and you, at the very least. Yeah. So... Uh, I don't know why we haven't done this sooner. This is like, I, get, I liked going through people's movies, filmographies, all that. Well, and that's I like the, the big overall episode, moving to one feed thing. But this, like, you watch this, I watch that. And we both stuck to it. We, I mean, I know you didn't watch Night Moves again, but, like, I watched... I mean, I had watched Night Moves literally, like... like the day before. The so it worked. before yeah. I recommended it to you. Same thing I just did with The Great, Great Silence. Yeah. Which I just watched for the first time two nights ago. But, yeah, that's the, like, I want to be able to watch them and hand them off to you for the most part. Exactly. And then occasionally, like Cracker Jack, we'll just rent and share one on Prime. It'll That'll work, work. Out perfectly. So just shoot me a text when you rent it. Yeah, I'm going to rent it tomorrow night. I'll be there. Oh, I'll... show. Okay. Until next time, I've been Noah. And I've been Gavin. We've been the Blanchard Brothers. And 
Until this has next been time. Two what? times. <laughs> this has been two, two by two retro reviews. That's right. I was gonna. I don't Thank say you one. for listening. And until next time, <laughs> stay safe, stay smart, and stay tuned. I was a little too tall. Could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering down. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes and points all her own, sitting way up high. Way up firm and high Out past the cornfields where the woods got heavy Out in the back seat of my 60 Chevy Working on mysteries without any clues Working on our night moves Trying to make some front page driving news Working on our night moves Before they blew his head off, they smashed his knees. His knees, for Christ's sake. Give it up. Fuck you. Oh, that's original. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that's my, I love that. that was my, yeah. Um, oh, God. I don't believe... I don't remember teaching you anything about punching me in the mouth. <laughs> like, what? What is this? Oh, they really shortchanged him on the quotes page on IMDb. Yeah, there's <laughs> not a definitely lot. definitely not enough. Um, I could just get my hands on an original screenplay. I want to see what's not. Oh, I would. What yeah, was dude. On, no. What was not on the cut? Well, what did they leave out? Let's ask him if we can get our hands on that. I still, I do think the best Terry line is "You look good wrapped in garbage." Yes, that <laughs> and was. the best Devlin line is "Don't even dream alone at night of fucking me." <laughs> yeah. Until next time, don't even dream at night of fucking me. Do Do you? <laughs> You have to tell me. Do you think, honestly, do you think that he put in the woos and the all like the little sounds and noises he makes in I the hope movie? So. Do you think he wrote those in, or like he just like oh, I'm gonna do this? That's improv. Okay. <laughs> he's an actor. He's yeah. a. That's a that's a movie star. That would be funny if he was like the Coens and was very diligent about him. like no, you fucking say it how I wrote the punctuation, you motherfucker, dude. Yeah. I'm pretty sure half the reason why he got writing credit is because they're like, we will do anything for you to be the next Seagal for us. Like, come on. Dude, I think he wrote this shit. Like, there's no other credited screenwriter. There's no story by. There's no there's no bullshit in there. He wrote this shit. If you look at it as that, as him designing a vehicle for himself. Oh, man. It's simultaneously like so perfect, but also like, is this like a fucking Chevy Chase jerk-off session? You know, it's the same. I, I don't know. I mean, I loved it because I loved the dude, but, like, did people look at it at the time and it's just like... Because, okay, I can say with plenty of remove, the reason I loved all of this shit is because it's cliched as hell. Oh, like, yeah. You've seen versions of this done a billion times, but it's just... But not with these people. No. Not with this guy at the center of it. It's and like just, every... It's... I, Cannot describe what's how the, like what's the was it what okay. is it Black Dynamite that's like the the Marvin Black. Peebles what what what's the one that's like it kind of it's like an homage but also like plays to black exploitation Black Dynamite is a a parody essentially that also still functions as one right but no that's not Marvin Peebles Marvin Peebles did Badass which is about the making of Sweet Sweetback's Badass song directed by his father okay. I don't know why I confused you. What's the one? Is it is the 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 one I'm thinking of the 
the uh, Black Dynamite. Yeah, is that the one where the guy was like, he's like, oh, I got like three days of retirement. And somebody pops up. Yeah. And Who saw that? <laughs> it's one of those kind of things. But like, it's all the tropes. It's like, of course he plays jazz. But played straight. Yeah. Well, but it's all done right. That's the other thing, though, is you think about like the playing jazz and stuff. That that doesn't necessarily feel like an American thing to be. That feels like some John Woo shit. Yeah. That feels like a... That's like he watched Hard Boil from a year before and was like, I'm going to take tequila and I'm going to take... He's dual-wielding exactly, pistols in dude. this movie. I'm just saying. like, That's what I think it was. This is a guy who was like, saw the genre as a whole. He obviously was a fan of all this stuff. And it literally... That's where I'm just like, if you're a fan of these types of movies, it has everything all yes. at once. Now, on the action front, maybe it's a little lacking here or there. Maybe you want a little more oomph to it. Maybe you want one more set piece. But... I love just all the fucking tropes. And again, you're lucky enough. Like, if it's just Hendrickson in this movie, it's still great. But you just start stacking up the character that, I said that. that when I texted you, I was like, that movie has everybody. Point the camera wherever you want, dude. Yeah. It's all great. Okay. Only the, thing episode, that, the episode is over. But the only thing this that would have made it better, Michael Park somehow is one of those henchmen like I he mean, just gets off the set I of the... wish Excessive Force 2 Force on Force was Thomas Ian Griffith and it was a true sequel not yeah. whatever the hell that movie is and it's so weird that that is available to stream and rent and all of this but we can't get well because this had a theatrical run in major cities only and that was a straight to video release yeah. so you already had it formatted to come out on home video anyway I'm just saying this is you know what this is a prime candidate for let's write them Fucking Shout Factory. Yes. Get me a good print of Excessive Force. Get me a new Thomas Ian Griffith commentary track. Get Henriksen back together. Get Tony like, Todd. Get them all in there, man. Even if it's just a, like, even if it's like the Manhunters Shout Factory, which was just it had like a bunch of twenty-minute interviews. We can do Great it, dude. stuff. We can do it, dude. Three years. What? It'll be thirty years old in three years. Yeah. Let's do it, dude. The 30th anniversary of Excessive Force. That's our new they campaign. Have to. Okay. They have to. That's our new campaign, dude. We're doing it. It's All right? Happening. Anybody out there that has any kind of pull that may be listening or have any suggestions as to how we accomplish this, let us know. Okay. All right? The episode's been over. I know. We're keeping this in. Yeah. We're fading back to whatever music right now. Oh, we got to fade out to Bob Seger, Night Moves. In the summertime. Some high in the sky, some We were just young and restless and bored Living by the sword And we'd steal away every chance we could To the back room, to the alley, or the trusty woods I used to have she used me, but neither one cared We were getting our share Working on our night moves Trying to lose an awkward teenage 